Well, good morning and welcome to Noah's Window. Uh, I shared with you yesterday that I was going to come back and share my favorite part of a story. Actually, Mary Alice began this about four days ago. We're looking at the story of a guy by the name of Zerubbabel. And just real quickly, uh, if, you, if you want more of this, you can go back and look at yesterday's uh, Noah's Window. But just in case you didn't get a chance, let me give you the, the setup here. The people of God, Judah, has been in captivity for 70 years. And uh, when the Persians came to power, King Cyrus allowed uh, the Jews to go back home. A lot of the Jews did not want to go back home because they had built nice houses and they were living in a very positive environment in Persia because Persia, of course, uh, at least at that point, had been very friendly to the Jewish people. So they weren't in any hurry to go back to a land of debris and rubble, which Judah was in those days. But there were those who had the sense that it was God's will for them to go back and to resettle the land of Judah and to build back what had been destroyed. Well, of course, the most sacred building to the Jews was the temple. And so very soon after they got back home, they started talking about it, but nobody really stepped forward to be a leader. And as I talked to you about yesterday, Zerubbabel didn't see himself as a great leader. He wasn't like he was highly credentialed or had a background in building, but it was sort of, if nobody else is going to do this, then, then I'm willing to step forward and do it. But as I shared with you yesterday, after they laid the foundation, something really went sideways. Um, they had this, this time of celebration as well they should have. There was a younger generation. After all, they'd grown up. They'd been in captivity for the last 70 years. They'd never seen the old temple. They didn't know how glorious it was. It had been built by Solomon. It took him uh, years and all kinds of money. I mean, King David had left tons of gold. To them, And so this was a magnificent gilded golden temple. It was perhaps the most beautiful building the world has ever seen. Well, these older people saw this building that was pretty much just mortar and rock, and they started crying. But the younger people, which had never seen that old temple, the first temple, they were so excited that there was a new beginning. And the sound of the crying and the uh, wailing, uh, wailing along with the joyous shouts of the young people it was just this imperceptible cacophony. All it sounded like was confusing noise. Well, what happened at that moment was that the people of God got so discouraged by this setback that they just let the foundation sit there. I mean, Zerubbabel said, well, I guess I failed because you have all these older people crying and wailing because they remember the old temple. And so Zerubbabel was like, well, I know it was inferior, but I did the best I could. But it just stopped. And yesterday, I, I talked about how in Zechariah chapter 4, God said to Zerubbabel through the prophet, hey, start back and don't worry about the fact that it's a small beginning because God loves to see the work begin. Well, I want to go somewhere else now with that. I want to go to the book of Haggai. Haggai is a couple of books before Zechariah, but it's still in the same contemporaneous time frame. And it's in this time during the shutdown where Zerubbabel Zerubbabel's heart has sunk because it, he feels like he must have failed. You know, there's all this crying and stuff that it was done. And so maybe he wasn't the right guy. God understood that the problem was those who remembered the old temple with all of its beauty and gold and precious jewels and fine fabrics. He understood that the problem was when they look at this, this second temple that didn't have any of those elements, that the people felt like, well, this is never going to amount to anything. It's never going to be important. There's one more thing I will point out, and we're pretty sure they did not have the Ark of the Covenant in the Second Temple, that that had somehow been lost. So 
of course, the people that remember the first temple could say, well, this thing's never going to be anything. It's made of vastly inferior materials. We don't have the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe it's not going to be worth anything. You know, that's important today just to think about because sometimes people look at what we do as Christ followers and say, well, it's not going to be worth anything. Well, I got something beautiful to show you. And as I said, it's my favorite part of the whole story. But we got to work a little bit to get there. It's like eating lobster. We're going to have to do some work before we get to the to the meat. Okay, God now is talking to the people and he comes to them at the point of contention. God says, does anyone remember this house, this temple in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? (laughs) Well, we know the answer to that. It didn't look like very much. God went on. It must seem like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. In other words, Zerubbabel, I know people are saying, this doesn't look like much now. What comes next is really beautiful. Verse 6, Haggai chapter 2. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and earth, the oceans and the dry land. This is quoted in the book of Hebrews. I will shake all the nations and the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine. Well, there had been a lot of silver in the old temple. There wasn't going to be in this next temple. But God said, don't worry about that. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Well, that's why a lot of the people were saying this new temple wasn't going to be worth much because they remembered all the gold that had been in the old temple. God said, all that stuff is mine. The future glory, this is what I love. The future glory of this temple, the second temple that God was challenging Zerubbabel to get back up and build, the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. Now, let's talk about that. You know, on paper, the older generation was right. This new temple was going to be made out of mortar and rock, and the old one had been gold and silver and all those precious stones and One of the wonders of the ancient world. The old people on paper were right. This new temple could never be what the old temple was. But then God came along and he said, the glory of this second temple is going to be greater than the glory of the first. How in the world could that be possible? Well, fortunately for us, we have what Zerubbabel and his generation didn't have. We have the New Testament. We understand why. Because the second temple would never have the gold, would never have the silver, and probably, from what we can tell, did not have the Ark of the Covenant. But you know what it would have? Someday, Jesus would stand there. And in that courtyard, he would teach, and he would, he would heal people, and blind people, and lame people would be, would be brought back to health, and so many people would be brought into the family of God through Jesus standing at that temple. What's gold and silver? when you have Jesus. For any of us who feel like we might be a failure because we don't have as good an education as someone else or or we don't have the, the money that they have, we don't have the talent that we have, you know what? If you have Jesus Christ inside of you, your value is inestimable. It is inestimable. No wonder, Paul said, we have this treasure in clay pots. I don't know if he was thinking about the second temple when he said that because the second temple had an awful lot of clay in it. But it had the treasure of Jesus Christ. To me, that's a wonderful message because I feel like in so many ways I'm inadequate. I fail. Even I let God down. But you know what I have? I have Jesus Christ inside of me. 
As an eight-year-old boy, I prayed and invited Jesus Christ into our life, and he came in. And I have an estimable value in me as well as you. What a wonderful, beautiful message from one of those uh, Old Testament chapters, Haggai chapter 2, that we tend to just glide right over. But God said, Zerubbabel, don't worry that the second temple is made out of rock when the old one was made out of gold. Its glory is going to be greater because someday Jesus will be there. Well, let me just say this. I, I don't know how I could finish this uh, Noah's window without giving you an opportunity to be sure that Jesus is in your life. You know, he'll come in if we invite him. Having Christ in our life is not a matter of joining a particular religion. It's a matter of inviting him in. In the book of Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody will open the door, Jesus said, I will come in. You know, every week at New Spring, pretty much, when I open the door to people to pray with me, I'm opening the door, really, or I'm just pointing to the open door that Jesus opened. And that door's open today. It won't be open forever. But right now it's open. And no matter what you and I may have done, no matter how we may feel, if we will invite Jesus Christ into our heart and life, he will forgive us and our name will be written in the census roll of heaven, which means when you get to heaven, you can have a reservation because your name is written in the book. You've invited Jesus Christ into your life. So here's what I'm going to do. If you've never had that moment, understand two things. Understand that Jesus died to pay for your sins and that he arose from the grave three days later. And because he arose, he's alive and in heaven and he's waiting for you. So let's pray a prayer together if you like. I'll pray it and then you can repeat it after me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. I do believe he arose from the grave. And since he's alive, I want him to be my savior and my king. Jesus, please come into my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I have a gift that we want to send you here from Noah's window. There's a, a, a Bible, a New Spring Bible, a book I wrote that will answer some questions, just a whole lot of other things. And all you have to do is text the word PRAY, P-R-A-Y-E-D to 97,000. And then you can just give us the information that allows us to send it out to you. And we'd love to send this box to you. Well, until t next week, may God bless you. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And always remember this, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you have value that can never be measured. See you soon.